Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. Isn't it good to be in God's house? And this hotel is absolutely wonderful. Um, Yeah, I believe God wants to really encourage us this morning and bring us a word of encouragement. And God's will and God's way is always to encourage us. God never wants to trample us down. And whenever we want to please God or move in the spirit, we will come across opposition. But God is our encourager. I must admit, I was really discouraged about a week ago. You know, I had a bit of a Jonah moment. Um, God gave me a message to bring, and I believe it's for today. Arvel's actually confirmed it. But I tried to change the message, and I came to a point where I was so frustrated and discouraged. And I put everything down, and I went for a walk, and I, I said, Lord, what's going on? I'm doing my best here, you know? And sometimes when we do our best, you know, and, but it's, our best is not good enough for God, because God's best is always best, and God's way is always better. And God showed me um, a hurdle. He gave me a picture of a hurdle, and this hurdle was knocked over. And God said to me, you've got a choice. You can either stay down or you can get up. And it's the same for all of us. You can stay down or you can get up. And whenever we're down, the enemy shouts from the other side, from the sidelines, you're no good, you're rubbish, you're never going to make it. God didn't call you to do this. But God stands at the end of the race and he shouts, come on, my child, get up, keep going, keep going. Because I've laid up for you the crown of life. And that's what God does for us. Proverbs 24, 16 says, Though a righteous man may fall seven times, he will rise again. And Romans 14.4, scripture has really helped me a lot over the years. To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God. God is able to make him stand. Maybe today or some of you today or last week have hit a hurdle. But God wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage you to get up and look to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith. Each one of us here who's a follower of Jesus Christ is on a journey. Every single one of us. Some of us have just begun our journey. Some of us are further along. Some are on the mountaintop. Some are in the valley. And some are in the desert. But I want to talk this morning about trials and trouble in the life of a believer. And it's a topic that has been highlighted recently. Pastor Arvel and Angela touched on it a couple of weeks ago. So the purpose of today's message is looking for treasure through the trial. Trusting God in the middle of our mess. I remember in my naivety when I first became a Christian, I said to God, I was on my knees, I was full of the Holy Spirit, full of love, and I was on my knees and I said to God, Lord, I will go through absolutely anything for you. (laughs) Anything for you. And what a silly prayer. I didn't, it really was, it really was. I didn't understand the Christian journey. So I, I didn't understand anything about the Christian walk. And the Christian walk's not easy. No. God never said it was easy. God never presented anything that was uh, sugar-coated. Jesus always told the truth. Yes. And in Matthew 7, verse 13, I don't know if you've got your Bibles with you, if you want to turn to this, it's entirely up to you. But Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And very few find it. And I'm quite sure by now if you've been a believer for quite a long time, you'll know through experience that we're not immune to trials in our lives. And in fact, the the exact exact opposite is true. As followers of Jesus Christ, we'll suffer persecutions. We'll have to endure trials. 
and we will have trouble in this world. So if you're struggling today, hopefully this message will encourage you. And if you're not, hopefully encourage you for the future and prepare you. But the Lord always makes a way, amen? amen. The Lord always makes a way. Amen. Jesus spoke to his disciples and just before he was going into the Garden of Gethsemane and in John 16, verse 33, it must have been important. In the world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. <laughs> but, be a, <laughs> but be of good cheer. Yeah. I have overcome yeah. the world. Yeah. And you know, when God presents a problem he always presents a solution God's word's a double-edged sword um, and today here there's nothing too difficult for God we've sung about it and we've talked about it there's no sickness he cannot heal there's no depression he cannot lift Amen. there's no marriage he cannot restore there's no chain that he cannot break he wants to take us from he can to he will yes. to look up in our circumstances so that we can look down on our circumstances, because we're seated with him in the heavenly places. Our troubles can come at any time in many forms. Some are spiritual, some are physical. It may be a health problem, a wealth problem, a relationship problem, or even a faith problem. But God can test us, the devil can tempt us, or natural circumstances can affect us. But it's not so much where the testing or the trial comes from, unless, of course, we're walking in sin. But it's how we go through them and how we react to God through them. Amen. Hands up if you're anything like me. The first thing I do when a trial comes is how can I get out of this? And how can I get out of this quickly? I'll use every spiritual thing that I've learned over the years. And I'll try and get out. I'll speak the word, shout the word, stand on the word, speak the word and whatever else. Just to get out of it. Yeah. And then, then I'll turn to God. Yeah. I say, Lord, I'm in a bit of a mess here today. Can you help me? But God obviously knows about all this and he looks down on us and he probably thinks, you're doing it again. Why didn't you just turn to me in the first place? Yes. Um, but why do we act surprised when trials and afflictions come our way? There's so many scriptures about troubles and trials. Psalm 34, 19 says, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. When we become Christians, we're born again believers, we're total, totally forgiven, we're given a new identity in Christ and our eyes are open to things around us. We see things in a completely different light and the world around us is different. Our perspective on life changes uh, from a temporary to an eternal outlook. But we're still in the world, but we're no longer of the world. We were once governed by the flesh, but now we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We were once slaves of the devil and sin, but now we're children of the Most High Amen. and we are righteous. It's good to know what God has done for you and good to know your position in Christ because when storms and trials come, you can stand. You can stand on who you are in Him and you can stand against anything. And God has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. But along with our freedom, we have to realise we've gained some dangerous enemies. And there's three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world in which we lived before we were Christians is still the same. But praise God, we have changed. So I just brief, briefly want to take a look at the three, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world's and its values and influences are constantly trying to distract us from God. And they want to draw us back into this vortex of deception. We live in a fallen world where the world does not want to recognize God. It doesn't honor God. It doesn't recognize God. It doesn't live by God's ways. It wants its own way. It wants man's way. And if we live a godly life in Christ Jesus, we're going to stick out like a sore thumb. 
Smith Wigglesworth once quoted, and this is fantastic. Does everybody know who Smith Wigglesworth was? He's a man who walked in miracles, healings. He had a wonderful ministry, a worldwide ministry. He was a plumber in Sheffield, but God can use anybody. Amen. God can use a plumber in Sheffield. He can use me and he can use you. But uh, this is what he said. I find nothing in the Bible but holiness and nothing in the world but worldliness. Therefore, if I live in the world, I become worldly. On the other hand, if I live in the Bible, I will become holy. So, yeah, the flesh with its desires, and once we battle against the flesh daily, hourly, sometimes every moment, and it's a battle we constantly face. And the flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. I don't know if any of you remember the magnets you used to get, like a horseshoe magnet. You know, when we were kids? If some of us, you wouldn't know, no. <laughs> Sorry, it's not for you. This is not for you. This is, this is for them lot over there. But you push, you push the, the poles together. And if they're the same poles, they wouldn't push. No matter what you do, you push them together and they repel each other. And so it is with the flesh and the spirit. And then we have the devil, the father of lies. I don't even want to speak his name because he has none, no place in here. But I'm just explaining. The father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, the one who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He's the enemy of our souls and he'll use whatever tools he can to gain control of us again. We were once controlled by him, but now he's become our, our enemy. And the Apostle Paul instructs us in Ephesians 6 to put on the full armour of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He'll lie to us, he'll condemn us, and he'll accuse us and use everything so that we won't do the will of God. He doesn't want us to do the will of God. So he stands opposed to us. But each one of them is vying for our attention and waiting for the opportunity to tempt us, to test us, and to try us. And some of you here today have been going through and are going through some real tough stuff. And nobody's denying the severity or the suffering or the reality of your circumstances. But I believe God wants to encourage us all this morning in the middle of our circumstances and to give us hope and to challenge us, to change us. And especially the way we think about trials, testing and troubles. A lot of our battles are in our mind, it's in our thinking. You know, if we leave our mind empty, the enemy will fill it. And it won't be with good stuff. We'll need to protect our minds, put on our helmet of salvation. Because the enemy is constantly firing flaming arrows at us. And we'll need to learn to fill our mind with God's word. And meditate on the truth. And there are very real dangers that are not obvious to us when we go through trials. And each one of them is our need for comfort especially if we've been hurt by family, friends, or even worse, a church. And we're in deep pain. And the closer the person who hurts us, the deeper the wound. But this is where we have a choice. We can turn to fleshly comfort, we can turn to worldly comfort, or we can turn to godly comfort. And the Lord comforts us in all our troubles. The devil's prescription for your pain, he will lay out his table of delicacies, but they'll always lay some poison. It could be drink, it could be drugs, it could be smoking or any other vice that eases our suffering. But they only offer temporary comfort, but they come with a hefty price tag. They'll bind us, they'll blind us and eventually they will destroy us. But God's prescription, Amen. God's prescription, his word, his promises, his presence, his love and God will lay out his table before you and his table is free. His delicacies are eternal, they're enriching, they're encouraging, and they're always liberating.
Psalm 23 says, I know it's a well-known psalm, but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I love the invite found in Isaiah. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it's to everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through. How everyone who comes, who thirsts, come to the waters and you have no money. Come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? God wants us to listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance and there's no better place to dine than at the king's table. Amen. Amen. We've heard the scripture a lot, which I'm going to share with you in a minute. Um, and it's about, and also I'm going to share about the three amigos, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. The three amigos is a much easier way to say it. It's such a mouthful. I don't know why God gave me that, but he gave me the, and I'll take the three amigos anyway. But uh, yeah, we read in Isaiah 43, 43, verse two. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And I know we've heard this over the last few weeks, but they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, we've sung about it this morning, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. And we could relate this passage and promises to Moses when he led, led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were chased by Pharaoh and God parted the Red Sea uh, while they passed through. And Joshua, when, when he led the children out of Israel into Canaan, the promised land, and God parted the waters of the Jordan while they passed through. And then the fire, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. But these are physical demonstrations with a spiritual application. And we can apply them to our lives today. And we can stand on the promise that wherever we go through, Jesus said, I will be with you. Amen. And he always makes a way yeah. when there seems to be yeah. no way. Amen. Let's take a look at the three amigos. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I'll just give an overview of it. You can read about it yourselves in Daniel chapter 2, chapter 3. I'd encourage you to read that book. It's wonderful, especially if you're going through something. It's rich with God's, God's deliverance and everything else. But uh, these three had been taken captive from Jerusalem by the Midianites, along with the tribe of Judah. They'd been captured and taken to Babylon. And these three friends, along with Daniel, found themselves in the king's palace. And King Nebuchadnezzar promoted these three men to oversee the affairs, the affairs of Babylon. And it was on the recommendation of Daniel, who had himself been promoted. And I don't know if you remember, he interpreted the king's dream when nobody else could. It was regarding the great image, whose head was made of fine gold, chest and arms of silver, stomach and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and feet of clay and silver. But a little while later, King Nebuchadnezzar decided to construct a giant made of gold. Uh, it was a whopping 100 foot high and 9 foot wide. So it must have been worth an absolute fortune. But the people were told to bow down and worship the gold statue when they heard the sound of the music, the horn, and every other instrument in harmony. And those that disobeyed were to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But when the Chaldeans accused Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego of not worshipping the gold image, the king was furious. But the king did offer him a choice and he said, bow down and it will be good. Or if not, the fiery furnace. Every single one of us, whenever we go through trials, whenever we go through troubles, we will all have to face choices. Um, 
And this was a matter of life or death. And the next sentence would decide their fate. And don't forget these guys, these three young men, had wonderful lives. They were in the king's service. They had favor with the king. They must have had favor with the king because they could go into his presence. So they, they, their lives had changed and, and he blessed them. They had good positions. They must have had great food and everything else. So they had a lot to lose by disobeying the king. But they answered the king saying, in essence, our God will be able to deliver us from the furnace and from your hand, but we'll not worship your gods. We'll not worship your gods or the statue. Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, the three young men, had sealed their fate because nobody in them days would speak in the presence of a king like that or dare disobey a king. They knew it was the head off or whatever else. So the three young men had sealed their fate and the furnace was heating, heated to seven times hotter. I don't know how they measured the heat, but it wasn't a thermostat, I don't think. But seven times hotter is hot, hot, hot. It was hot anyway. And Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego were bound. They were clothed in their clothes, turbans and other clothing. They bound their hands as if to say, there's not a chance when you go into this fire today that you are going to come out and you, you're going to come out well. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. You're definitely going to burn. So after they were thrown in the fire and the men who threw them into the fire, we know, were burned themselves and they died. But the king was astonished when he saw he looked in, there were not three men bound in the fire, but now there are four. And his counselors agreed, then the king's eyes were opened and he saw one like the son of God. The king himself called him out and their clothes were not even scorched. And there was not even a sniff of smoke in them. You know, sometimes we can't see God when we're going through stuff. Yeah. You know, we can go through stuff and, you know, we're blind to God's presence. But it's only when it, the stuff gets real tough that we can see God in our trial Amen. and in, in, in our testing. And, you know, hopefully people see it as we go through and how we deal with it. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's many ways we can deal with it, but if we're dealing with it in God's way, then people will see God in us Amen. and we'll give glory to God in our trial. But we can only imagine the conversation they must have had. These three friends, they'd obviously been taken from Jerusalem, taken to Babylon, They'd lost everything, absolutely everything. They've had their identity taken. They were given new names. They're obviously, their diet was changed and they were in a different culture. And all, all they wanted to do is change them to their ways, change them to the way of Babylon. But you know what? They can take everything away from us, absolutely everything on the outside, but on the inside, if we have faith, they cannot take Amen. our faith. Nothing can take our faith. Amen. If we have faith in God, you know, nothing can take it away. The only thing we can do is give it away or we can surrender it. But, you know, if we have faith, God has given us faith to trust him and to believe in him. You know, God is good and whatever we go through, God is always with us and God is always on our side Amen. and he is always for us. So these three friends... They had faith, they had friendship, they had each other and they faced what King Nebuchadnezzar had put before them. It wasn't the fire that was important. It was the fact that they were facing death. The fire was only a means to an end. So they faced it with friendship and with faith. 
And God says, a cord of three strings in Ephesians 4.12 is not easily broken. And there's so much power in agreement and unity commands the blessing. And that's a lesson for all of us here today and all of us and the church that we have to stay in unity. We have to stay together. And the cord of three strands is not easily broken. So when we face stuff, when trouble comes along, which it will come along, we stand together, but we stand in faith together because we have Jesus. And Jesus is the center of our lives. Amen. Amen. So Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego faced a giant of one of the world's most expensive commodities. It was a statue of gold, and this would have been worth, as I said earlier, an absolute fortune. But these three men refused to bow the knee. There was nothing worth more than their faith. Nothing worth more than God. And do you know, I truly believe if they'd have surrendered their faith in that moment, they'd have surrendered their friendship and everything else because they had faith and friendship and they were together. And it's like the church. It's like the body of Christ when we stand together. And we have this in common. I would not say common, but we have Jesus and we have friendship and we have faith. So we have friendship and faith versus fear and fire. And friendship and faith will always win against fear and against fire if we stand on God. I'm going to ask you a question in a moment. When things get heated for us and fear presents itself, will we face the fire? Or will we hold on to our reputation or our position or our title or even our comfort? Or will we compromise our faith? Or will we, like Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, Will we stand up and will we be counted and will we trust in God? I think our choice will be to depend on our foundations and on whom our foundations are laid. It really does. And when we go through trials, they will always reveal our foundations, what our life is built on, what our faith is built on. And Matthew 7, verse 24 to 26 says, Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was his fall. We can build our lives on careers, accomplishments, titles, position, or family, or anything else. But if they're not founded on God's word, then we're going to fail when the trials and the floods come. None of them will help us in the storm, not one of them. But Jesus spoke of two people here, and they were both here in the same word, the word of God. But only one applied them, and it's the application of the word of God that's paramount in our lives. We have to apply it. It's no good listening and hearing it. We have to apply it to our lives. And we have to know and apply the promises in our circumstances. The provision for any trouble is always in the promises. It's always in the promises of God. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Jesus is a promise keeper, amen. He really is. Jesus is a promise keeper. He'll never fail us. And his word is a lamp to our feet. And it's a light to our path.
our Father. Thank you. He alone is a rock. He's a, he alone is our chief cornerstone. And he's a sure foundation for our lives. Amen. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 6 says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Some of you this morning may think because you're sick or because you're going through stuff that God has somehow forgotten about you. That's not true, it's a lie. God loves you the same. Yeah. He loved you from the beginning. He loved you, he'll love you through your trials and he'll love you at the end. For God is love. He loves you with an everlasting love and there's nothing that can snatch you out of his hand. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And on to verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. We are more than conquerors, church. We just have to stand on his promises in the premises <laughs> and when we go through trials just trust him and believe what God says Amen. whatever your need is today whoever you are and whatever you've come in with Jesus is the answer Jesus is always the answer to our problems he is always the answer and God wants to minister to each one of us this morning so at the end of the service I think we can open up for prayer the sanctuary but I believe God is going to do miracles here today. Yes, I really do believe God's going yeah. to touch people's lives. Pastor Arvel touched on it earlier, saying that God is going to, he wants to see miracles. We all want to see miracles. We want to see God move amongst us. We want to see the signs and the yeah. wonders that follow the preaching of the word. And this is God's word here. So the preaching of the word has been done. Has been done. So we can trust God and we can believe God that signs and wonders will follow. It's nothing to do with man. It's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with Pastor Arvel. We just... Everyone's just been obedient to what God says. Amen. So if God says it, God is going to do it. So God wants to raise our faith this morning to believe that he will do a miracle for you. He wants to do a miracle for you. It's not that he doesn't want to do it. You know, someone once said there's a storehouse up in, hev up in heaven that's accessed by faith and faith alone. But all the riches of Christ, Jesus didn't die for nothing. He didn't die just to take us to heaven when we die. Everything that Christ accomplished on the cross is for us today. Amen. And we can receive that by faith. We yeah. can stand on our identity in Christ. We can stand on all the gifts that God gives us. And you know what? God wants to bless us. He wants, to live, uh, wants us to live a life of abundance. Amen. He doesn't want, want us... We do go through trials and we do yeah. go, through, go through things. But God ultimately wants to bless us Amen. and he wants to encourage us. Yeah. So today, as I say, if you have a need... 
and you need prayer, come. God wants to minister you. God wants to touch you today. God wants to touch your lives. I'm just going to close with four things to remember, just to take away with you. Is number one, the Lord is with you in all your troubles. Number two, in your trials, only dine at the king's table. Drink deeply of his spirit and feast on his word. And number three, look for treasure in the trial. The promises of God. All the promises are yes and amen. Amen. And apply them to your life. And number four, come out with rubies and not with rubble. Because God wants to bless you. Amen. Amen.